Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show. This week we are talking about financial scams. Yes, they're out there and most people have probably seen one in their email inbox or received an unsolicited phone call. Check out some of the checklists that we're providing for you in this podcast. Stay safe. Don't get caught on the hook by this. Plenty of great information. We'll see you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Lorenzo. Thanks for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. And despite the uh, quality of our content remaining relatively robust, our outfits today are all over the shop. You've got pastel, I've got short sleeve on. What's going on? Look, I just was in touch with my uh, softer side today and pastels felt like it was about right. Very nice. Well, hopefully your softer side can come into today's episode because we're actually going to be talking about the heartache of some financial scams. And it is a real issue opposing society right now. There's plenty out there, particularly with the rise of technology. Mm. Financial scams are horrible. Let's go through them. Yeah, look, uh, the move online, particularly uh, through the sort of pandemic period where more and more stuff is is done online, uh, has really paved the way, I think, for for, for, for financial scams certainly to uh, uh, get further toeholds, unpleasant as they are and heartbreaking as they are, as you rightly say. And and look, I've, we, we hear firsthand of them all the time. Uh, you know, we get approached ourselves, our clients have been approached and people, the general public carry a level of scepticism and who can blame them because being able to sort out the weak from the chaff, uh, the good guys from the bad guys is something that is, is quite tricky to do online. So we'll go through a bit of a checklist to help people with that. Uh, but I suppose probably a good place to start is, you know, what's a financial scam and how does it work? All right, well, you're probably the best person for that. What are they, AB? The, the ones that I, I've had a couple of clients, and I'll share a firsthand story about this um, shortly, um, but typically it's an unsolicited approach uh, that you've received, usually online. Um, what I mean by unsolicited, you just get a call out of the blue uh, from someone purporting to be a, a, an investment advisor or a broker um, saying they've got this great thing to to invest in and they want to send you some information. Uh, you know, an unsolicited call like that out of the blue, um, you know, it should be a big warning light to you. Uh, legitimate businesses don't undertake unsolicited calls uh, to random people to say they've got a great investment, let's face it. And just on that, to dive a, a, a touch deeper, for example, I've seen a number of clients mention they've been contacted for IPOs or initial public yeah. offering to buy stock. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, why would a large company issuing stock go to one small retail investor? It just yeah. doesn't happen, right? Well, that's right. If, you, if you're running an IPO, an initial public offering, typically there are sponsoring brokers, usually numerous sponsoring brokers if it's a big IPO, uh, and they then uh, distribute the uh, the shares through their client base. That's why they're an underwriting uh, and sponsoring uh, uh, broker involved with that. Um, yeah, it's not down to the company to contact you directly. That's not how it works. So yeah, there's an example of something if you receive, um, yeah, again, unsolicited, uh, something that's a, a red hot scam, you're not going to see your money again and you won't be getting your shares in that IPO either. Oh, absolutely. Huge red flag. And they can even find themselves into your email. I had a an email to my personal address today. Hey, we've got some money for you. Um, just let us know your bank account details and we'll send it over. It's the order yeah. of 250 million. I thought, great. There's always, uh, you go back a little while ago, and I think these things have become a little bit more sophisticated, but you know, a couple of years ago, it used to be, oh, someone in Nigeria is looking to deposit some monies and da-da-da-da-da. And I mean, that's pretty obvious as to what it is. And I know Nigeria doesn't get the best rap from uh, from a fraud perspective, but there's good reason for that too. Uh, but certainly that, 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 that space of financial fraud and scammers got ever more sophisticated now, um, you know, with websites and, you know, quality literature and, and, and quite the compelling story, um, you know, 
if you invest in this now, um, you know, we can guarantee you X and Y. Uh, I, I, I had a, a, an email from someone the other day that forwarded on. I asked them to forward me what they'd received from this particular company. And they had their zero risk uh, trading policy that was signed off from their finance department. So it looks all legitimate to someone that's, you know, fairly uneducated in the financial market space. Well, they sent me, you know, documents to show that there's no risk on their trading and da-da-da-da-da. So I sent them some money and... And uh, that was the last I saw of it. So, you know, it is heartbreaking when you hear those things and everyone has to work hard for their money. And let's face it, in the investing world, there are enough ways legitimately that you can take some bark off and lose money without, um, you know, some dodgy outfit uh, really sort of taking you to the cleaners. Totally. And it's funny that you mentioned you have to work hard for your money. And I think these scammers prey on that get rich quick Mm -hmm. philosophy or zero risk, which just simply doesn't happen in financial markets. Yeah, look, there was one a while ago um, and, and actually I, I saw the ad uh, and I thought this is actually quite interesting and I actually you know, followed it through for a period of time and their whole pitch was, okay, um, we guarantee we're going to give you four consecutive winning trades and when we do that, you can buy a twenty-five or $35,000 software package to, to do this for yourself. But we don't want any money now. Let's prove to you, first of all, uh, that this works, and um, and, and uh, this would be quite interesting. And actually, ended up being in touch with someone that worked within that business as a former employee, and they actually explained uh, exactly what they did. So let's say you've got ten thousand leads, and we're going to say, right, we're recommending today you buy Wells Fargo Bank, and we guarantee it's going up. Five thousand of those leads, you make that long recommendation to that it's going up, and so the other five that goes up. Yep, and the other five thousand, you say we believe Wells Fargo is going to fall, and that recommendation goes out to the other five thousand. So half long, half are short. Correct. At the end of the trade, it's either been a winner for for one group or a winner for the other. So you've now got a pool of five thousand new leads. So now you divide it into. Two and a half thousand are going to get a recommendation to buy Disney, and the other two and a half thousand are going to get a recommendation to short Disney. You're going to have two and a half thousand uh, out of that that have been winners. Twelve fifty is the next one, and by the time you get to that f- sort of fourth iteration, you've got six hundred and twenty-five people that you've shown four demonstrable trades that have been winners, and they go, "How good's this? You've proven yourself to me," and they get the checkbook out and and, and fire over the cash, and that's pretty much the last time uh, you hear from that company. And that was that was their particular approach for attracting clients in. And you think about it: if these people actually put as much effort into being legitimate, they'd probably have a pretty good business. But that sort of Machiavellian, sneaky, how can we? how can we touch somebody up and con them uh, kind of mindset is why they do what they do. And and, it, and and when you look at it like that, it's a very cynical, but it is a business model, albeit down the wrong channel. Totally. And, and people lose money from it, which is the really heartache part. I guess now is probably a good time to ask, AB, this story that you've got, mm. personal friend of yours, also a client yeah. of ours who got touched up in some instance. Could you share in some detail on that? Yeah, um, this and I'll leave names out, and, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be following the podcast and, and, and knows exactly what I'm talking about. And, yeah, he's a client. He's someone I actually consider a good friend too. He's a genuinely good person. And uh, got approached from an outfit out of London, and a lot of this stuff is offshore. So let's talk about one of the big red flags. If something is from offshore, and we'll go through a checklist at the end to help people to avoid this sort of stuff, got approached from a mob out of London with offices, I think, in Singapore and Dubai, at least on their website said so. Um, invest, and this is what we do. And, and 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 he and I spoke about it. As I say, I consider him a good friend. Uh, and he said, "I'm doing this." And I said, "Well, look, send me some details. It sounds interesting." And I had a look at it, and it, uh, it's, it's really hard to sort of pin 
pin it down, but it's like a sixth sense. It's like, yeah, it just doesn't. They are pretty clever though, right? right? There's a few things that don't seem right. It's a good address in London. It was in Mayfair. Um, and it's unusual for financial companies to be based in Mayfair. If you're a financial business, you're normally in the square mile, the city of London as opposed to the city of Westminster. But that's a that's a small nuance. Having lived and worked in London, I guess I know. Um, and there are a few other things like that. And, he, he, and I said, how's it going? He said, going really well. I'm making great money. And he put some cash over. And this guy, self-made guy, very smart, very, very good trader. Makes a lot of money in his self-made. Super smart, smart operator. He's nobody's fool. And so he sent some money over and he said, I'm going to be very careful with this. Send a little bit over and see some results. Uh, made some money and he asked if he could redeem and take some money back, which they sent the money back. And I guess that's one of the sort of acid tests you'd always recommend is, well, send some money, see, see what comes back. And if it's not coming back, there's a problem. So they sent him a bit of a distribution of some of his profits as he requested, no drama at all. Um, then there was a follow-up call saying, look, you know, we, we've made you this. We could have made you a lot more if you'd have trusted us to, to get into this because these were the other two, three, four trades we would have put you in and this is how it would have performed. So he sent a little bit more money. Again, made some money and they sent a little bit back on his request. So he's tested it out pretty well. And this guy, as I say, is a smart guy. At this point in time, though, you're probably thinking it's legit. You're getting Absolutely. money back. It's no yep. dramas. And as I said, I spoke to him. He said, it's legit. I've got money back uh, uh, and so on. Uh, and so he's, he's, he's sent more uh, and things have been growing quite nicely and, and, and away you go. And then he's got to the point where he's wanted to do a more fulsome redemption, i.e. The full whack. Pretty much the full whack. He said, oh, there's a slight liquidity thing. Give us a little bit of time. And then, you know, a week, two weeks. All right, we'll just run down the holdings now. Okay, um, look, we're getting ready to send it. You know, and it's, all of this is all very cordial and very polite. The, I guess the challenge is that you, the, the things to look for in this, or we'll get onto things to look for, actually. I'll finish the story. Um, and then, um, yeah, so look, money's ready to go back. What are your banking details? All right, we're about to send it. Actually, we can't send it. Uh, tax and compliance team have just flagged it that there's just a, there's a withholding tax because it's offshore. Um, you got to pay that uh, needs to be paid, uh, and when that's paid, we can redeem your money. And again, that's a it's something in, uh, you'd probably listen to and go, yeah, that kind of sounds, sounds right. right. Um, so, okay, so he's then sent more money over to pay his holding tax. Uh, it couldn't be redeemed out of the, the funds for a reason, for whatever reason he was given, I don't recall now. And that's it. Holding tax paid. Great, I can get my money out. Okay, it's got to go via the trustee company in Singapore. Remember, this company had several international office headquarters. It's gone via the trustee company. And he's like, what's going on with my dough? They gave him contact numbers and everything. Spoke to people. Yeah, we're in Singapore. We're the trustee company. This is pretty sophisticated fraud. And uh, yeah, we, we, we've got your money here. We don't normally talk to retail clients, but I understand it's a big amount of money. And it was, it was, you know, it was a million dollar type sum. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to happen. We're just dealing with, because Singapore is very heavily regulated. Again, there's a box that's ticked. Oh yeah, Singapore, regulated market, blah, blah, blah. And then, Odds are there's no office in Singapore. It's all being run out of um, Gibraltar or you know, somewhere, house somewhere, Cyprus, which are the typical places you see these things. Um, and uh, and they said, look, yeah, Singapore Money Monetary Authority, you're okay with it. Obviously, there's anti money laundering and whatnot here, and there's also a local tax to pay on financial transactions, small amount relative to you know the withholding. And you're thinking like, I've paid the withholding, the money's coming back. This is like the last hurdle to cross. Send a bit more dough. That's it. No more. No more money. Disappeared. Just disappeared. No more return of emails and phone calls, and and, and the business is gone. And as I say, you know, this guy's pretty sophisticated. Anyone listening to this, you go, I'd never fall for that. And I don't know. A lot of people would because there are so many checks and balances that my my friend, my client, put into play 
on this, which are legitimate sort of challenges that you'd throw into the ring to, to test and measure to see if this is, you know, pretty rigid ditch. And it passed all of those except for one, and that's the fact that they've got his dough and disappeared. So not only they have his dough, they have his dough plus some holding tax plus the yeah you know, Singapore, which is a real shame because it sounds very very sophisticated. And even I'm listening to this thinking, oh, that that kind of makes sense. That sounds about right. With the right person on the other end of the phone portraying the story, you could imagine you know quite readily that that you know yeah this is all square. Yeah, it makes sense. We've got to pay tax. Here's here's the explanation of withholding tax in the UK. So the documents to support all of these types of things, and that's how sophisticated these criminal gangs are. It's terrible because ultimately our friend or your friend as such was the one who lost out on it and lost a large sum of money, which is, mm. you know, it breaks our heart. We hear this all the time. Yeah. What are the things to look out for in that case, AB, as we come to the end of today's session, just to make sure that we're not getting caught up in these traps? Look, I, I think the key thing, anything that's offshore, um, you're outside of your jurisdiction uh, and, and I'd be extremely careful of dealing with anybody or anything that's not based here in Australia when it comes to financial services. Uh, the simple reason, and if, if you're one of our overseas listeners and you're listening to this, make sure it's in your jurisdiction. So if you're listening in London, it needs to be covered by the UK regulator. If you're in the US, it needs to be covered by FINRA or the SEC and the US regulator. So deal in your own backyard. There's plenty of opportunity in your own backyard. You don't need to look at something that's offshore. Secondly, I think um, you, know, you want to make sure that who you're dealing with is legitimate from a licensing perspective. So if you're here in Australia to provide any kind of financial service, you must, there's, there's no exception, there's no asterisk, oh, if you do this, you don't need it. You must have an Australian financial services license. We obviously own our own uh, and we take that aspect of our business very, very seriously. So that's an important check and balance looking at the website, look at the office addresses and these sort of companies that have, you know, prestigious offices all over the world that no one's ever heard of in terms of the company, but their offices are, you know, Mayfair in London, Dubai, Singapore. Um, you go, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's some pretty high profile um, addresses. Oftentimes they can just be a serviced office. That's something to be very minded of uh, and to look out for. When you've got multiple levels of people you deal with, so it's never the same person, it's just going through, goes to the next person, next person, next person, and so on is again, you know, a, a bit of a flag um, and and I guess just looking at the legitimacy you know look for reviews where you can actually contact a client of that company's and okay it could be a fake client we know that if this is that sophisticated a scam um, but all of those things as part of your due diligence I believe can 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 really help how long have they been around how long ago was a company set up uh, all of those things, especially if you're sending, you know, or you're looking at investing a you know, reasonable amount of money. And it doesn't matter whether it's $500 or 500000 People got to work hard for their cash and it would hurt uh, to, 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 to be, you know, uh, picked off and, and, and victimized by, by a scam like that. So there are a few of the things I'd look for. What's the underlying investment strategy? Oh, we've got this particular whirly gig that generates XYZ return consistently with no risk. Mm, um, what's the strategy? You want to dive in a bit deeper. And there are people that market IPOs, like IPO investing is actually very high risk. Um, if you don't believe me, check out WeWork, um, Lucking Coffee, uh, and, and various others. We did a podcast on this, I think, early days we too. Did. Um, so, you know, not all IPOs work. So, uh, you know, and, and so that's not a surefire way of getting in before everybody does. Um, there are a couple of things to look at. Find out about the strategy. What are the underlying assets? How are they held? Who's the custodian? Um, do you have title over it? Um, what are the drawdowns on that system? Uh, and so on. And if you've got someone putting in front of you a bottom left, top right chart, too good to be true. 
I think there's a number of red flags there and it sounds obvious when we speak of it, but when you're in the heat of the moment and there's this alluring prospect of dollars on the other side, it can be a very uh, a very tempting prospect on that. Amy, I think we've covered off on a lot of ground here today and it certainly makes more people aware than less. That's our message here. Be well, aware. Let's, yeah, be, be aware for sure. I think you know, giving people like those checklist points to look at are, are key. Go onto the ASIC website, look up an AFSL, make sure it's legitimate. You know, you think about uh, Melissa Caddick down in Sydney, uh, you know, with, with, with the no AFSL business, for example. That's another thing to sort of check out. You've got to do your homework on these sorts of things. So if you go onto the ASIC website, look up a financial services license, it'll give you the number, which will be on the website of the company you're dealing with. Make sure the office address on there matches up with the company you're dealing with, because that will also uh, be on there, the registered address, all that sort of stuff is is freely available on there. Um, and, and and just poke around at the, the seams. Um, you know, uh, if they've got a financial services license, there'll be things like the financial services guide on their website. If they've just got no license and there's a big long disclaimer, but no, uh, we're licensed to provide financial advice, run a mile. And if they're offshore, run a mile full stop, because once you send that dough, overseas, you know, your prospect of seeing it. And this is irrespective of the Australian border controls. The money ain't coming back any quicker than any of the tourists are coming back here, that's for sure. And uh, and, it, and it's a tragedy. And, and the worst of all, someone's looking to invest and looking to do the right thing. And their good intention has been exploited by somebody. And any potential good outcome they could have had financially in their life by taking quality action steps have really been decimated because they won't trust anybody after that, probably rightly so, and miss out perhaps on working with the right kind of partner where they could redefine their financial future. So it's a double whammy. Not only have they lost the money, you can always make more money, um, but you've lost confidence and belief in yourself and other people to better help you. And that's that's a twin tragedy. And that's something that very sadly happens a lot. Hopefully, you know, the content that we've talked about in here gives people a bit of a pointer. Anything in Cyprus, stay the hell away from it. Anything anywhere overseas, stay away from it, basically, would be the advice I'd give. That then keeps you in your own backyard. AFSL is a must. Double check that against the ASIC website, asic.gov.au. Have a look on there, look up financial services license and just make sure things seem legit. If you do all those sort of steps, you're going a long way toward um, reducing your risk. There are always risks, but they're good steps to take in there. And you know, in the case of my good friend that, that was on the wrong side of that, what I do admire about him is his psychology. You know, he's been a very good investor for many decades now and he's dusted himself off and he's probably harsher on himself for falling into the trap that was set for him. And as I said to him, there's no shame on you. It would have picked off virtually anybody. It was a very, very sophisticated setup that was there. The key thing for him, it hasn't dented his enthusiasm for invent, uh, investing and he's back on track with what he's done very, very successfully. And I guess the allure of some additional quick money, who doesn't want that? Um, but you know, for someone that's been very, very successful over the years, it's an area you don't need to look at. Uh, stick to the knitting and uh, and keep it legitimate. Keep it on a financial services license here in Australia. And I think you'd be you know, well-placed to avoid being conned or scammed. Well said, AB. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Thanks Absolutely. very much for your time today. Anytime. Pleasure. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a rating and a review. And please do share this podcast with your friends and family so we can make sure we get this important information out there to a broader audience.